and welcome to the Transfer News Central podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Bentley, and today I'm joined by, well, me, myself and I, because I guess because our usual co-host Andre Bloem is away traversing China um, as he's, mo- he's moving house. Um, he's moving in with his uh, long-term girlfriend, so good luck to him. And we'll be hoping to have him on fit and firing once he's sorted all that out. On the other team, James is still trying to find a permanent co-host, so that's been a bit up and down. So you've got me doing, I guess, a James O'Brien of sport impression. For those of you who don't know, James O'Brien is a regular LBC lead host, and he regularly answers questions from the public and talks in a room by himself for a good hour or so uh, about the political landscape of Great Britain. Um, thankfully, I'm not doing that because it's not in the best shape at the moment, but I will be on hand to answer a few questions that we've compiled from our social media pages on Transfer News Central, uh, both the Facebook and the Twitter uh, spheres of um, of questions. And I'll also be informing you uh, on a few of the upcoming developments uh, in transfers that have been happening and giving you my thoughts on that. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Okay, uh, there was a lot of questions actually, su- not surprisingly, so I, I count this under various different names. Uh, there was a lot of questions uh, coming in about Bruno Fernandes, will he come, won't he come, why is it being delayed, will he be any good? So the whole host of questions around Bruno Fernandes. So I guess we could start off by saying, why the delay? Well, first of all, I think Manchester United are trying to negotiate as low a fee as possible it's worth bearing in mind that in the summer they arguably got a bit taken advantage of with a Harry Maguire £80 million fee Um, so they won't be wanting to make too many of those financial mistakes now I think in the market I think they're trying to be a bit more sensible so they're trying to get the fee to as a respectable amount as they possibly can and also there's reports suggesting that uh, Sporting Lisbon play Benfica this Friday night and they would like Fernandes to be a part of that team perhaps as his final game for the club because you know the rivalry in Liga Nosh with between Sporting Lisbon uh, Benfica and Porto is very big so you know for Sporting they'll want to win that game a great deal and in order to do that they'll feel that they need to field the best possible team and Bruno Fernandes would certainly be in that and they'll be hoping for a bit of magic on what should be his final game, but again, they have to they have to sort out all the financial situations. I think I think player wage won't be a problem. You know, United seemingly happy over the years to give the player practically whatever he wants. Um, so they're just uh, trying to negotiate the fee now, I believe, um, and I think they will get it done. Maybe too soon, really, to throw him in against Liverpool, but I imagine he'll be certainly ready for. Oh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a midweek game actually against my team, Burnley, so maybe ready for the squad then, if not to start. Um, again, this is assuming there are no uh, final issues, but I really wouldn't worry if I was a United fan just yet. Um, in terms of the player, what kind of a player are they signing? Well, they're certainly a very good player, of course. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype about him, but for good reason. He's uh, two-footed, powerful finisher, uh, since some brilliant finishes on his left foot, and of course his right as well. Occasionally, I think he's more left-footed, and as we say, some some incredible finishes in Liga Nosh uh, and in the Europa League. He recently actually got two goals and two assists against PSV Eidenhoven, 
the Europa League. Um, so that's certainly to be commended. Uh, in 21 appearances this season, he's got uh, 13 goals and 10 assists. Uh, and in Liga Nosh, that's eight goals and seven assists. So eight goals and seven assists in the Portuguese League. I think that's in 15 appearances. So that's just about a goal slash assist per game, which is quite impressive. I guess the blot on his CV slightly is that the fact he is playing in the Portuguese League, very big step uh, up is the Premier League. Um, where the pace is quicker, he won't get as much time. I mean, if you do watch highlight compilations of Fernandes, you'll see his technique is often outstanding, but he does have a lot of time to perfect that technique, to perfect that final shot or killer pass. So that's worth bearing in mind. And also, I remember in the in the UEFA Nations League with Portugal, he was particularly quiet. Portugal won that, of course, uh, last summer, but he was particularly quiet, didn't necessarily have the impact that many thought he would have. So again, there's still a bit of a, an unknown factor as to whether he can deliver on the truly biggest of stages. Um, but, you know, I mean, at the moment, you know, you look at Man United's midfield and there's just a great deal of nothingness really in terms of creativity and attacking uh, potential. Obviously, Paul Pogba's still there. And I guess that could be a, another way to keep the fee down. The fact that Paul Pogba's still there means they've still got, you know, an excuse to say, actually, we can pull the plug on this transfer if you don't want to play ball with us, if you want to try and rip us off. We've still got a world-class player in our grasp. Whereas if Paul Pogba had gone for, say, £130 million, then Sporting Lisbon would say, hang on, you've just sold a player for crazy amount of money we want an extra 20 25 million pounds on top of what you've just offered so they do have a bit of a bargaining chip there i guess but not really much of one because paul pogba's often either injured or it seems wanting to seek a move away from the club so yeah i mean paul pogba aside there's nothing in terms of real genuine craft and creativity and a and technical ability in that man united midfield of course you've got scott mctominay who is um you know he, he, he's had a really good season so far, but he's not necessarily someone who's going to break down a deep block, score a wonder goal, or I know he did against Arsenal, but I'm, I'm talking about on a regular basis. He's not necessarily someone who can carry the camp that United need to help out the forwards, you know, who seem to be starved of actually genuinely good service. So I don't think, I don't think the bar's too high and I think he should come in and he should make an impression. You know, maybe, maybe not straight away, maybe he'll take time to adapt, but the people who are in the midfield department at United aren't necessarily going to rival him for technical ability for pieces of brilliance in, in an attacking sense. So he really is only competing with himself. And once he realises that, I feel like he should, you know, just embrace the challenge of the Premier League. And, um, you know, and I'm sure... As I say, I'm sure that is someone you know that United midfield desperately crave. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that he'll do, that he'll that he'll perform well. Well, if he moves to Old Trafford in the, in the coming days, um, a few other uh, quick points on Man United. Uh, OG Solex on Facebook or Og Solex. I'm sorry if that's pronounced wrong. He's asking if Bruno will come in. I've just given Bruno Fernandez will come in. I've just given my thoughts on that. He asked, "Will Ashley Young go?" <laughs> Potentially, I mean, you know, I, I think into Milan, Antonio Conte he has a habit of getting the most out of players you don't you necessarily don't necessarily think are going to perform or or have much life left in them. I mean, Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso look like world beaters for Chelsea at wing back uh, for the what for their title winning season when he was there. He couldn't necessarily replicate that two seasons on the bounce, but he managed to, as I say, 
pretty impressively for a season, mate. He made Victor Moses look like one of the best wing backs slash full backs around. We all know that was a little bit of a misleading thing. Of course, he's now sort of drifted off away uh, into nothingness, I guess, really. No disrespect to Moses from where he was. You know, he's he's really fallen by the wayside since then. But, you know, with Ashley Young, I think older, experienced player, I think his time's really gone at United with Aaron Wan-Bissaka there now and obviously Diogo Delot, Diogo Delot in reserve. So I, don't, I think Ashley Young's time at United, as he knows, he's not going to be the regular anymore. But at Inter Milan, he has a chance for a new lease of life with a manager who knows how to get the best out of players who seemingly aren't quite at the level. I mean, Young, Young knows a thing or two about, he's been around the block for a long time, could put a good ball over. I think he'd do quite well for Antonio Conte. I think he could make it work he could make a place for him in the system. He's not an idiot. He knows how to get the most, as I say, out of these, I don't know, these second-hand second-hand characters almost, like he had, like he was given at Chelsea in his first season. So, and, he, and at Juventus, and at Juventus. So, you know, I mean, I mean he made Asamoah into a tremendous wing-back. Uh, I don't think Asamoah was quite the same when Conte left, but he, you know, he, he's had he's worked miracles wherever he's been, really, with certain players. So, yeah, I, I do think he could uh, do a really good job with Ashley Young. Uh, whether he leaves now or in the summer is another question. I mean, United seem to be firm; they want to keep him on board, probably for the experience factor. You know, it's a very young squad, and he could still come in for the odd game and do a job, but. You know, uh, and of course, Inter could get him on a free transfer, and that would be, you know, that'd be great money sense for them. So I think it might be the summer. I think he might go. I think he might stay at United, go in the summer. Although some people are suggesting he could go now. Um, I'm not necessarily uh, sure if he will do, simply for the reasons that I've just said. Anyway, so we've gone through those. Just another quick thing on Man United, actually. Who is calling? Yeah, so Willie Re- Willie Rayan okay, literally, as it said on his Facebook page, uh, on his Facebook profile, sorry. He's asking Koulibaly, Fernandez, Calvin Phillips and Mark Rocker to United. I mean, there's been some vague links with Calvin Phillips and Mark Rocker. Mark Rocker, 23-year-old Espanol midfielder. He's not <laughs> very talented player, not... In- not involved in the Spanish national team, but involved in the uh, youth setup. You know, I, I think he, I think he actually would do would fit the bill for Man United. Certainly has a good surface of characteristics, likes to tackle, good at passing the ball. But again, I, I, for some reason, I still see United going for a young English kind of player in that position because that seemed to be their remit when Solskjaer came in. Young and English is the preference. I'm not sure whether that's just to echo maybe uh, United teams of the past where they had a British core in certain aspects or more British players, sorry, and maybe get maybe, maybe a bit of a throwback. But it, I just don't necessarily see that Mark Rocker deal happening. I haven't really seen many rumours about it either. Um, so, you know, but it would, it would be a move that made sense. I mean, Calvin Phillips as well for Leeds. Tremendous it for Leeds, you know. I mean, Leeds as a team are excellent under Bielsa. All work very hard. Lots of energy, passable, really well. Get stuck in. They're a great team to watch. Calvin Phillips is at the, is one of the you know at the heart of that. I think it'd be a bit of a step up suddenly to go to Manchester United from Championship football with all, with no with all due respect. Again, I don't necessarily see that one happening. Uh, although you've got to remember, Daniel James came from the Championship again. I don't necessarily see the Calvin Phillips one just yet. I don't think he's necessarily the answer to their 
to their problems in the middle of the pitch. Or well, well, it could be, but again, it's a big burden to put on on young, inexperienced uh, shoulders. Uh, and then there's the link to Koulibaly. I mean, there was a rumour, actually, that he was going gonna to sign in the summer 70, 75 million euros. Well, I was talking to Andre last week and he said, you know, he'd be willing to pay 95 million pounds. You know, this guy is a phenomenon. I'd be very surprised if he, if he moved for 70 to 75 million uh, euros. Napoli was so eager not to sell this guy a year or so ago. They were just, they would not accept anything. I think his buyout close was something close to a close to 100 million or above. I'd be very surprised if he went for 70 to 75 million euros. If he did, that would be an absolute bargain. And if he did, I'd be asking why why is it Manchester City or anyone else around any other teams looking at that, swooping on that? Because he's better than Manchester United at this current stage. He really is an elite level centre half. Anyway, if they did sign him, it would be very, very good. Okay. Quick talk now on the other Fernandez, Jed Fernandez, actually, who's gone to Spurs. 18 months loan. There weren't many questions for me on that, so I won't spend too long on it. But from what I gather, he's a very excited talent, tall, skillful, good on the ball, good at tackling. Still, as I say, quite relatively inexperienced and raw, but 18 months loan at Spurs will give Jose Mourinho a time to look at him and assess whether he wants to uh, sign him. Uh, I think there's an option to sign him after for something like £50 million, whether he wants to do that. So that's a long enough period for that to happen I'm actually surprised actually because you'd argue that 18 months on loan for a young player at Tottenham Hotspur under Jose Mourinho isn't necessarily the best place to develop Mourinho's not had the best record track record with young players so I mean but at the same time Mourinho has always been at clubs where they expect the title Chelsea um, Porto always fighting for the title Inter fighting for the title or want to be fighting for the title. Uh, Real Madrid want to be fighting for the title. Man United at the time wanted to be fighting for the title. Tottenham, I think, they never really want to be fighting for the title. And at the moment, they'll be settling for, you know, just a, just an improvement in fortunes, I guess. So it's different situation from Mourinho. I think he even said he's been reflecting on his time after after his dismal spell at United. He's been reflecting on his own management. So maybe he will turn over a new leaf a little bit. Maybe he will give a bit more opportunity to youth. Um, certainly if the youth's good enough, I'm sure Mourinho won't have a problem in using it. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. I think there's a good opportunity there for this player to really develop his profile um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bigger division, in a bigger, well, a bigger team. Uh, and there's a good opportunity for Jose Mourinho to show that he actually has turned over a bit of a new leaf and he is willing to be a bit more patient with younger players. Because as he said, this isn't the same kind of club that he's been at in the past where you know every he's, he, he's expected to, to deliver the Premier League title. This is, a, this is a club that's in transition again and trying to move on after uh, the brilliant Maurizio Pochettino legacy that didn't end too brilliantly. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that goes okay um i've got a few well i've got quite a few more questions uh so we will have a look yeah actually two questions on chelsea from joseph inyang and topsy both facebook profile names chelsea struggles with new signings why i mean i don't think it's necessarily a struggle (laughs) with signings i think they're still one of the biggest clubs in england i think they've got a very progressive young manager frank lampard uh, a very exciting young team. 
And I think that's part of the reason, that last bit's part of the reason maybe why there hasn't been too much action so far in the transfer window. They're doing very well, and for my money, look, best place to finish fourth. You know, they're going to have a few bumps along the road, and I'm surprised they haven't had more. The fact they haven't had more shows the ability of these players. You know, these young players have, after a slightly rocky start to the season, they've stood up, made themselves counted for the most part, and they've picked up a a lot of results. They've been very consistent, play with a high press, lots of energy, moving the ball around fairly quickly. Again, for the most part, they had a bit of an iffy spell in December. But, you know, I mean, so far, the sides are certainly more positive than they are at uh, rivals Arsenal, Man United, um, Tottenham, you know. So if they get Champions League this year and then they can go into the summer with a more clear and focused plan about who should we get, you know, who... There's an argument in January players are inflated with prices because the clubs don't want to sell. Um, They have less of an idea of who to get. The longer you wait uh, and plan, the more thorough you are with your planning, the more likely you are to get these transfers right. And in the past few years, Chelsea haven't necessarily got the transfers right. Morata, not particularly, well, flop. Bakayoko, drink water. Some of these, I mean, you're looking there at nearly over £100 million. So, again, I think there's, there's an emphasis now on wanting to get it right, trusting in the trusting in the youth. After all, they have one of the best academies in the in, in Europe. So they've had they've been forced into it, really, forced into trusting in the youth. Um, and it's worked so far, and they're sticking by that. And I think in the summer, they'll really look to strengthen their position. If they finish fourth, that'll be a really good starting point uh, to build upon to build upon next season with a with a financial assault on the transfer market in the summer. And there was, I think there was a sort of follow-up point uh, by one or two people as well, whether they should go for Zahara or Sancho. I think the overwhelming consensus was Sancho, and I kind of agree because age being a massive thing in this really. But, I, you know, I mean, Zahara, I think both of them are slightly overpriced, if I'm being honest. But you can't blame Dortmund or... Crystal Palace for wanting prices uh, of the around the around the barometer of I think seventy to eighty million for Zahar and about 100 220 for Sancho because they're both very very good players. Again, Zahar's a lot older, so you probably have to go for Sancho. But I tell you, if, if Chelsea did get Zahar, for my money, Zahar's one of the best one v one players in the league, in the Premier League. And fullbacks just can't cannot fathom him out. He is so tricky, so skillful, strong, really good. Technically, as well, could score, could score all kinds of goals, could create all kinds of goals. So, you know, they lost one of the best 1v1 players last season in Eden Hazard. Zahar would be up there, not with Eden Hazard, but for taking players on, you know, there's not many better in the Premier League. So, fair enough, Sancho might be the standout option out of the two because of age. But... I don't. I think you'd be foolish to tell you know nose up at Zahar because he's also a very good player, uh, as Palace fans will tell you. Anyway, I uh, hope that answered those questions. Just one or two on Chelsea there. So I think oh we had a a, a few tweeting questions. So this will be interesting. Let me have a look. A few on Leeds actually. We'll get to Leeds in a second. We've got one from uh, Transfer News Central follower David Mbuer. I hope that's pronounced right, David. Uh, at Mbua David, uh, are Newcastle likely to get reinforcements this summer? You know, given their current state with injuries, you could 
you would imagine that they'll be looking at the transfer market with a bit more seriousness. Um, I mean, Steve Bruce is supposedly meeting with Mike Ashley soon. Uh, they don't meet often. I don't know Rafa Benitez, I don't know if they ever. Well, they, they met very rarely. And I think um, Mike Ashley is an owner who is very, he doesn't like a hands-on approach. He likes to be in the distance somewhere not really too involved in the day-to-day management. He leaves that to Steve Bruce, but he sort of pulls the strings in the background. He does a few things in terms of transfers. Uh, you know, he, he he likes essentially he likes to give the manager the responsibility of dealing with all team affairs. And when Steve Bruce was asked about the transfer w- uh, window, I think he said he wanted to get one or two players in. Uh, he says they've got a couple of players spinning around. Mike Ashley's been supported since his walk through the door. Uh, he says they'll meet up for one or two days, but he wants to look at people who can improve the team as opposed to people who could just uh, fill in gaps. I think that's sensible, really, for him, Steve Bruce, because, of course, if he brings a player in just to fill a gap, then when that injured player returns, he's then got too many players at his disposal and people have to be shipped out. I think people... You know, it's no uncommon knowledge to know that Newcastle United are a club with it that operates, I think, on quite a strict budget, a tight budget. Um, they spend money when it comes into the club, but they they won't spend often too much more than the than the than the than the transfer fees. That, I, I should rephrase that actually. They, they spend money what comes in in terms of transfer revenue in terms of revenue from transfer fees. They don't necessarily spend all the revenue that they get. I'm sure. Uh, that does anger a lot of Newcastle fans. They do spend within their well within their means. Actually, they don't necessarily push for ambition, which is why Rafa Benitez jumped ship. But uh, Steve Bruce notes actually with Saint Maximin and Almiron, they have been able to buy well. I mean, Saint Maximin has been a very good signing, certainly with his pace and his crazy dribbling and, and skills and trickery. He might not always be the most consistent of players, but he does have an enormous threat in him. He could have probably improved on his end product, but, you know, athletically, he's, he's very difficult to keep up with. But yeah, no, I, th- I think Newcastle at the moment are going quite well. The form, short-term form's not been amazing, but you look at them in comparison to, say, even my team, Burnley, they've been on a bit of a slide. Bournemouth's been in, capitulated for a while. Norwich are at the bottom. They're playing good football, but they're, they're, they're really struggling at the bottom. And Aston Villa, you know, aside from that win on New Year's Day against Burnley, they've been in, they've been struggling a little bit. Uh, I know they beat Norwich as well on Boxing Day, but losing to Southampton at home, losing to Watford 3-0, despite Watford having 10 men, and then losing 6-1 to Man City, conceding too many goals. So I suppose, So just to answer, I've been sort of jumping around the question a bit there, David, but I think if a good cost-effective option comes available, then I think they will go for it. I mean, they've currently been linked with, actually, according to Alan Nixon, they're trying to, they're haggling over the price of Strasbourg midfielder Ibrahima Sissoko. So again, that seems to be, you know, Mike Ashley is a man who wants to get the very best, very best possible financial deals. He won't pay a pound over what he thinks a certain player is worth, or or if he thinks he can get a get a cheaper price, but make it last a longer time. I think well, a lot of clubs would do that. They would stretch out this deal as long as they possibly could. So that's his Soko deal. Um, be uh, haggling from Newcastle it's very much to be expected um, because you know that's just how they operate to the to the saving to the pound and uh, I think 
yeah, I'd expect a few cheap, a few players on the cheap if things get desperate with the injuries and they don't clear up soon. But I can't imagine they're going crazy because you've got to remember who's in charge. You've got to, and you've also got to remember that Steve Bruce is also very happy to be in this job. Uh, after a lot of people said they shouldn't be, you know, there's a lot of criticism towards Steve Bruce, so he can't really complain. He is essentially a yes man for Mike Ashley, and whatever uh, Mike Ashley says goes. There won't be any criticism from Bruce. I really don't see it. Uh, in the same way that there was with Rafa Benitez when when uh, Mike Ashley didn't necessarily uh, succeed on the transfer window front. Okay. A few questions on Leeds, actually, as well. So I'll get to the Leeds questions now. Bobly44, at Bobly44 on Twitter. Uh, and there was another one, I think. Yeah, Brendan Thomas Halele on Facebook, so at Bobly44 on Twitter and Brandon Thomas Halele on Facebook asking about Leeds. Are they sounding a strike? What's going on with Leeds? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Leeds are doing, I mean, Leeds are uh, once again doing phenomenally in the championship, but they usually do do really well in the championship up to a point and then it sort of all tailors off. They lost against Sheffield Wednesday quite recently and they've only got one win in five. They're still six points ahead of Brentford, but Brentford have had one defeat in five and three wins. Uh, you know, so that's quite in stark contrast to Leeds' short-term form. <laughs> and to be honest, they have been conceding quite a few goals, Leeds, so they could have, have late, so they could certainly sort that out. But one issue has been that they've not quite been clinical enough because they do create chances. I mean, against Arsenal in the FA Cup, they were fantastic. Uh, it really gave an account of themselves. Lots of energy, lots of press, uh, lots of pressing. And Marcelo Bielsa really has created something special there. And they, we all, I think many of us want to see Leeds back in the Premier League. Um, huge club, great heritage and a brilliant manager at the moment. Uh, but the Championship's a ruthless division. And if they don't take their chances if they don't um, fix up at the back then, they, then they, there is a danger that they could slip out of these top two positions um, the top scorer in the league's Patrick Bamford with 10 goals I always get the sense with Bamford he's not a bad player uh, at Middlesbrough he did very well I think that was probably a few years ago that was probably his best uh, time best time of of his, of his career when I think he was at his first loan with Middlesbrough I think under Ito Karanka uh, when he was in the championship did really well but um, yeah it's it, it's not really worked out as well after after that initial period where he blossomed um, and you get the sense that he's, he's not a bad player on the ball you know but I think he gets a bit found out with his finishing I don't think his finishing is as clinical as other strikers in the championship uh, I don't think he's uh, as strong as other players in the championship thinking it's a bit weak. So again, that <laughs> 10 goals in that Leeds team, it's not great. Not great. Considering all the chances they, they create and the football that they play. So I think they could do with striker. And I, whether they sign one is another story. I think they always, uh, I think Bales has done miracles actually, because they've not had luxuries of other teams in spending fortunes. He hasn't had the opportunity to spend um, lots and lots and lots of money. He's just had to instill a philosophy, um, and yeah, they've had to buy players, you know, and, and get who are of good value for money. They've had to be clever with the business, but they do need a striker, and he needs a striker really. And they could, they could probably soldier on until the end of the season and maybe go up as an automatic in the automatic slots, but it would be a huge shame 
if the lack of a clinical striker was the thing that cost them at the end of the season. They lost out to automatic promotion again, and then they failed in the playoffs. That would be a bitter pill to swallow, and Marcelo Bielsa would be very upset, I think, if uh, if that happened. But, um, you know, it's, as I say, it started really, the, the, the current signs are okay, but again, recent form suggests that they do need a bit of a pick-me-up. And, you know, they've been linked with Che Adams of, of Southampton, that wouldn't be a bad option. Championship proven, hasn't really worked out for him in the in the Premier League. Saints apparently want £10 million, but then some reports suggest they want to keep him, so it's a tough one. I actually think my team have uh, Mateusz Vidra, who was an ex- a former Leeds target, and I think he'd be great for Leeds. I think he is a number 10 slash striker who feeds off slash contributes to teams that like to play the ball around the pitch, on the floor, lots of intricate play. And Leeds do that really well. They're patient when they're on the ball. They can speed it up if they need to carve teams open in the blink of an eye. And I think Vidra would be amazing or could be excellent for this Leeds team. But whether Burnley would want to sell, even though he doesn't play anyway, but whether Burnley would want to sell in January is, a, is another question. It would leave them only with four stri- uh, three strikers. sorry, And for a team that likes to play 4-4-2, maybe that leaves them a bit like... So, yeah. Anyway, and in terms of whether they will sign that strike, I suppose that's all up in the air. It's whether they want to be brave and bold enough to throw some throw some big cash at it give Bielsa that little push over the line that he might need to get Leeds into the promised land again. And then a few from Burnley fans, actually. We've got at Dewhurst, 1882. Uh, 1882, I'm sure, I'm sure, being a lovely reference to the uh, year that my team, Burnley, was formed. So he's been asking about out-of-contract players. Who should stay, who should go? Uh, he even gave me a little list. I did, know, I did have this list, but uh, the players out of contract in this summer are Brady, Lennon, Hendrick, Bardsley and Hart. Of course, Burnley have been linked with uh, Brownhill of Bristol City, but again, I, it's hard to see necessarily transfers coming at the moment. There'll be a few Burnley fans who might be listening to this thinking, you know, it's just it's just it's just this our club all over. We don't uh, operate well in January. We are tight fisted, and tight fisted as will cost us in the long run. Well. In a way, yes. In a way, no. I look at this squad and I think there's experience everywhere in it. You know, there's experience in abundance. And these players know how to win games. They know how to grind out results. They know how to stay in the Premier League. You know, so these are, there's a lot of fighters in that in that dressing room. There really is. You know, this is a Sean Dyche team. He's built it. He's moulded it. He trusts a lot of these players. And I'm sure they will repay that trust when they need to. Uh, there's a lot of panic at the moment but you know this isn't Aston Villa a, a newly promoted team that's just come up this isn't you know Bournemouth a team that every single time wants to play out from the back without fail even when it's not going well this is a team that wants to fight and grit tooth and claw you know throw everything on the line in, in, in search of results at least that's what Sean Dyche wants okay we've not necessarily seen that all the time but he will know uh, and those players will know that when it matters you know, they should know what to do. They have the ability to do it. And I, you know, you've got to back them to do that. It's okay saying throw loads of money at it, but, you know, again, Burnley at best, or Sean Dyche would like it to be a steady, settled chip. He doesn't want to start throwing panicked, you know, th- throwing panic in the air and jumping on X, Y, and Z 
or maybe he does. The board won't do that necessarily because, you know, they've backed Dyche before in the past and half of the players end up on the bench or not even playing. And, you know, you only need to look at Ben Gibson and Matej Vidra. £26 million in transfer fees combined. Barely had a chance in one and a half seasons. So the board are going wet. You know, how is our money being spent well there? And, you know, and then Dyche will probably... It's, 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 there's so many ifs, buts and maybes. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of having a mini hunt to myself here, but, you know, you can see why the board are reluctant to necessarily go all gun-ho when in the past, you know, when they have spent money, big money, which would be big money for them, the players have just simply haven't been involved. Um, and at the same time, you know, look at it with sensible spectacles on. You got you look at that squad and you think this this team like I say this team has survived the past few seasons in the Premier League. These players know how to survive. We've seen this season examples of them putting in good performances and graft and tireless work ethic. But it comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's it's like the wind. It comes and then it goes. You know. But you'd still back it to be enough. And and even even amid dodgy form at the moment, you still back it to be enough. Um, and if it's not, then you can ask these questions. But until then, I think you just got to get behind the team, the management, and, uh, and, and support the players on the pitch, really. Um, but anyway, that, that was really unstructured. But uh, it was just me just sort of waffling on about the... Trans- I'd write a better piece. I think I'll write a piece, or I've written a few pieces for Varvel, so go and read those if you want. Um, anyway, who should stay, who should go? Brady, Lennon, Hendrick, Westwood, Barsley and Hart. I think, I mean, Brady and Hendrick, I've been told, have a, what, a, a an ex, you can activate a clause which extends their contract by a year. So I think Deitch and the board probably will do that. Hendrick's a good, honest player. You know what you're going to get from him. He, he's going to work hard. He's going to tackle. He's going to play selflessly uh, and maybe chip in with the odd goal or assist. And Brady... Listen, you know you know there's quality in, in, in with, with Robbie Brady. Um, he is... You know, a very good time. We've seen his free kicks early on in early on his Burley career. Unfortunately, he's been plagued with injuries, and I mean, you know, we've barely seen the best of Robbie Brady. And, he, and you look at twelve million pounds, I think that's quite steep. You know, for someone who can barely get on the field, uh, a bit like Stephen DeFore, I guess. Although Stephen DeFore's played more than Robbie Brady, I think, uh, in his Burley career. So, you know, but I think that might get accepted as well because, again, Sean Dyche brought him in for big money he does like him and if he does get fit you know I, th- I, th- I think he knows there's a player there he knows there's a player there so I think it's probably a risk worth taking pressing that you know activating that one year extension on him as well so I think he might extend those two I think Lennon can probably go uh, I think Westwood will get a contract extension for sure uh, I actually thought Westwood was out of contract later on I may be wrong Uh actually, but I thought he was 2021. Uh, if he is, regardless of if he is or he isn't, I think he needs a new contract. He's one of the few genuine creative talents at Burnley at the moment. I think Barsley can probably go because I think as good as he has been for Burnley, he could be 34 going on 35. So again, I think there's there's got to be a time and where you've got to say, you know, enough's enough. We need to get, we need to get a proper investment in. So I think he should go, and a new right back should be sorted out. And obviously, Joe Hart, if he doesn't go this January, I think he should go in the summer because he doesn't deserve all the criticism he's got. It's been disgusting, really. But um, 
I do think he's probably best that he moves on, gets a, gets a chance to be a regular at another club. Um, and then Burnley could probably acquire someone on lower wages as a, as, a, as a number two for Pope. So I think I've answered all the questions there. And just, just to sort of clarify that Burnley situation, you could, in a weird way, I can sympathise with the board. I can sympathise with the board because of how their money's been spent uh, under, the, under, under Sean Dyke. And you can see why there's a bit of a reluctance to go crazy and spend more. Because the money that he has spent hasn't necessarily been of benefit to the squad over the past two years. Um, at the same time, you can understand why Deitch might want a bit more because he, he's been at the club for a long time. He might want to extend, he might want to increase wage structure so that players can, you know, he can attract a high calibre of player. And then the board will come back and say, well, then you risk losing the honesty and integrity of the playing squad because the higher the wages go and the, the bigger players you attract, you lose what you initially had over time so it's a big debate and uh, one that will go on forever and ever and ever forever and ever and ever well uh, gone for a long time um, but I guess I think I've think i I've written a lot of pieces on it on Favarvel so you can read those and pff, I don't really get a chance to talk about it so much so that's why I've been so tangled in my thoughts but anyway I think we've covered a lot there and um, yeah I'd just like to say Thank you for all the questions that I got from people on Twitter and Facebook. I hope I've answered some of them, uh, most of them to your liking. And uh, hopefully I can see you all again soon with Andre and we'll talk uh, more things football. But until then, I'm off to Korea on holiday, South Korea, I might add, uh, next week. So I won't be here. And then it's Chinese New Year Festival, so that gets busy. So I'll probably be leaving you in the good company of James Prescott and friends. Um, so I hope you enjoy that. And be sure to uh, subscribe to Transfer News Central's Twitter page, like the Facebook page, and um, yeah, enjoy. Thanks for listening, guys.